I told my I told my wife the other day that something was boss. <laughs> and bringing it back. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that was such a short lived popular saying. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the R&R CatCast, season-ending edition. I, myself, and Ryan, joined by my co-host, as always, and my good buddy, Ryan. How are you doing today? I'm good. Yourself? Not bad. Uh, I've been waiting to do this one for a while now. Uh, I think it's a good time to do it after everything's kind of simmered down and we have some pr- perspective on on the season. So Yeah, I don't think it would have been good to do that monday after the north coast state game we would have just been like we need to get better everywhere but (laughs) (laughs) now that we've had some time to think about it it's not quite so bad no uh quite optimistic in my mind but we'll get to that Uh, but to get us going uh we always start with what we're drinking for tonight um i'll let you go first thorny well i'm still working my way through my montana stock i brought back with me Uh, i'm working on some Byron Amber. It's pretty pretty good. I like Amber. I mean, you can't go wrong with Ambers, really. So, I like it. That's the standard. Yeah, that's been out for a long time. It's a great beer. So, yep. tip of the cap to you there, sir. Hi, uh, going with a Miller Lite and a Koozie. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Foley. Yep. Uh, my wife had a pumpkin ale in the fridge. I I didn't know it was a pumpkin ale. I, I grabbed it and I immediately put it back. <laughs> and I was like, what else do I have in here rooted around? And I found cold Miller light in the back. So here we go. <laughs> it's like that meme that's going around from the Simpsons where the grandpa walks into the bar, sees Bart sitting right there and just like grabs his hat and walks right back out. <laughs> it's pretty much you with that beer right there. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> she had some sort of like, I don't know if your wife ever has these. She had like a jewelry party and it was a whole bunch of girls that got kicked out last Friday and I was, you know, glad to do so. And so I think that was leftover remnants of, of that party. So <laughs> she can have it. Sounds exactly like the kind of beer that would happen at that kind of party. Pretty much. Yep. <laughs> so Thorny, give us kind of a rundown on what we're going to talk about tonight. Just kind of a game plan. I mean, we're just going to hit – the original plan was to kind of talk about some news. We would assume that we there would be some recruiting news, maybe a coaching carousel, um, a Jeff Choke pref, press conference. Hey, hello. But, yeah, pretty much nothing from anywhere. We, I mean, there's been a little bit of recruiting news, really enough to really talk about, I guess. But uh, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about – just how we felt about the season overall um kind of talk a little bit about the offensive coordinator defensive coordinator we won't go too much more in depth with the coaching than that maybe just our general feelings on Choate I imagine as well uh just and just kind of see how we measured up this year and just talk about how we felt I mean just basically yeah just an easy recap show with no real game plan we never really have much of a game plan just a, a general guideline and we just go all over the place and that's kind of yeah. what, I assume that's what's going to happen here. I just said all those things, and well, probably none of them will happen. <laughs> <laughs> Our podcast seems like a broken play most of the time. We can't, we, we seem to yes. have some sort of 
we would break the huddle with a plan, but it never goes according no. to plan. Sometimes so. we get back to the line of scrimmage. Sometimes we score a touchdown. <laughs> there you go. So, well, if, I mean, the first thing I want to do is just kind of give a shout out to the senior class that we got. We had a really good senior class that stuck it out. Most of, I think they're all four-year guys, right? I don't think there's any transfer. I mean, there's, I guess, Dre Jackson is on the, he's on the, the roster as a senior. I don't know if he even played this year, if he was on the team or if he graduated, no idea. If you did, congratulations. Uh, other I guess Alex Neal was a transfer technically because uh, he came from UNLV. So we had Alex Neal at center, uh, Connor Sullivan, good old Ennis Montana, stud tight end, Curtis Amos. Just loved watching him wreck people this year. One of the best blocking tight ends I've seen in a while. Grant Collins gave it his all his entire career, just fought through everything. Jabari Johnson didn't even get to play his senior season because he tore his ACL, which is a bummer because he would have been a huge target for an inaccurate quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John Diagostino, uh, he was kind of hurt most of the year, wasn't he? On and off. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, kudos to him for sticking around his entire career. Tucker Yates, probably the most memorable play of the season, if not the, well, the, the century, you know. The stuff. The early century. Yeah, the stuff. Tyrone Fa'anono, one of the guys who just got better and better as his career went on, just became just this complete wrecking machine in his senior year. Wilson brought an unheralded 265-pound, quote, tight end, quote, lineman. And uh, Zach Wright, who just quietly had himself like a really solid Bobcat career. Just a, He started all four years, didn't he? Like, or had some significant time all four years. He played, a, he played a lot of football. And he just quietly... Yeah just held it down when things were going wrong. You know, he was just always there making plays in the, in the middle. So, yeah. He was one of our best players when Choke first came here. <laughs> he was. Like, he was just – he was never really big enough. He's only 265 as a senior. He played at, like, 240 or 250, I feel like, for his first couple of years on that D-line, but interior D-line. But, you know, yeah, he had a he had a good career. And I just, just wanted to give a shout-out to all the seniors and uh, congratulate them on uh, – your careers here and good luck in the rest of your life. Things are much more important than football. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? Do you have a favorite senior out of that group? You can make me pick favorites. Well, I mean, how can you not pick Tucker Yates from that list? I guess. Uh, mine is not Tucker. Mine's Curtis Amos. Curtis Amos. I mean, that's another good choice there. I was almost going to say Alex Neal because it's not easy to find a consistent center for that long. So yeah, I'd have, go, I'd have to go Tucker Yates though. I mean, I just you gotta love the wrestler from Cole Strip with the crazy frizzy hair sticking out the back of his helmet. <laughs> yeah, plus he's got I a mean, good story. The stuff, regardless of the stuff, it was just a, it was just fun watching him play. He was our best playmaking lineman for pretty much his whole career here. Well, I didn't know he grew up a Grizz fan, and basically the Grizz snubbed him, and so comes to Montana State and must have played with a chip on his shoulder his whole career. So. That's really cool, though. Really cool to hear that. Yep. So, all right. All right. Congrats, senior. Yeah. So, the other thing we're going to talk about was some news. Really, the only news of note, it would be, I guess, the recruit that didn't happen, Gresh Jensen, headed to Texas State. Uh, What are your thoughts on that, if you have any? Yeah, I thought it was a little anticlimactic. But, you know, when Bob Stitt... I got in the fold over at Texas State. That's a strong pull, him and Gresh. I mean, 
by all accounts had a really good relationship. And so I knew that was going to be tough to sway him. I thought he might have wanted to have, you know, kind of like a revenge tour <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And I was hoping for that. I, I, I was going to, you know, I was rooting for him to come here and battle it out with Rovig and Bowman um, next year. Uh, but uh, just not to be in. You know, we can play the what-if game, but he would definitely been um, a big headliner throughout the season if, if that was the case. And, but you know what? It's not going to happen. And so good luck, Gresh, and hope, uh, hope Texas treats you well. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. Like, I'm happy for the kid. He's going to go play some FES football. Uh, it's, it's interesting that, you know, Texas State, I, I was just kind of looking at him because I remember they were FCS not that long ago. And... Uh, yeah, they only averaged like thirteen and a half thousand fans a game last year. I mean, Didn't one of our coaches go head coach over there, um, Brandon uh, North? Did we have a Brandon North as a coach? Yeah, I'm totally. Yeah, I think Brandon North was a coach. I don't think he became a head coach anywhere. The only guy I can remember going straight from head coaching after being on the staff was the Jim Savota. No, he, yeah, he went like was a head coach at like some directional division two Missouri school or something. <laughs> but other than that, that's the only guy I can think of that went it was a head coach right out of the gate. I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but it's hard so, to keep track. So Ryan, I got a quick question for you. Um, if you go to a place like Texas state, or let's say you go to like somewhere in the Mac where you play for like a mid-major school in the FBS, does playing for a mid-major school, in the FPS become irrelevant. And I don't want to talk about this too much because I thought Coulter did a nice job on his show, um, which I'm tending to listen a lot more after all this stuff is, you know, after the scenes isn't over, I'm finding myself a little bit bored now. Yeah. So nothing I'm, else to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too, that's not a knock on Coulter or anything, but you know, you just, yeah, the school ends for me. And so I, I tune in, but you know, if you're not playing for a power five conference or any kind of legitimate bowl, does the luster of playing football for that school become, I don't know, you know, not as much. Like, at Montana State, it feels like do or die for me every week. <laughs> Maybe just because we're so invested, but you got the cat grizz, which is do or die. You know, emotions are so high. And if you don't make the playoffs, or if you do make the playoffs, and so there's all these, uh, I mean, there's a chance at a national championship every year. And so to go to a, a you know, like these FBS schools that really, you know, you're not going to get in a, I mean, if you win six, seven, eight wins, you will have a bowl game. Is it a good bowl? Well, I mean, that's, that's up for debate. It just seems like the emotional roller coaster of being at that school, maybe for a fan would not be as much as I certainly feel for Montana State. Well, it's, it's kind of funny. You talk, you talk about like, all right, what are, what are our expectations now at Montana State? Like we're going to you know, win the conference, beat the Grizz, make the playoffs. If you're, if you're uh, Akron, what are your expectations? Win the conference? Do you have like a, like a little set list of bowls that are ideal? <laughs> it's like, I want to go to this bowl. No, that bowl would be terrible. Like what – I mean you, you want to go to a bowl game obviously, but – What's the difference between one bowl game and the next bowl game once you get outside of the top, like what, eight or ten bowls or whatever, the New Year's bowls? Like what's what's the prestige? What's the point? You're just playing in an extra game. Yeah. And a meaningless bowl game that 
doesn't really matter if you – I mean, yeah, it's good if you win and there's no payout for the school and I get the financial side of it, but no one's going to remember you won that bowl game. But if you win a couple playoffs, you've – playoff games, you you earn respect for the national scale at our level. And so the next year, people – you know, you're more likely to make the playoffs if you have a repeat season because they remember the success you had last year in the playoff. Can you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's an aggregate build at least where, all right, you want to – Weird ass bowl game next year. Just start over, do the same. That's like I don't know. I don't really get it. You're, you're playing at the high level, so I get that side of it. And maybe there's more exposure to NFL scouts. Maybe not. There's definitely not. Depending where you go, uh, the fan support's going to be probably worse than it is at the Montana school. So I don't know. I, t- <laughs> I don't really see the allure, but I've never been a elite athlete to have to make that choice to really think about where am I going to take my talents to, to well, play I mean, you don't, <laughs> you, you don't really need to be an elite athlete to make a conclusion on that thought though. I mean, for me, it'd be, it'd be clear. You would go to uh, a Montana school, you know, go to Montana state or university of Montana or somewhere like Eastern Washington that can compete for national championship and you know let it go so but i don't know i've always thought that like you know it'd be easier in a way it'd be almost easier to be a fan of one of these uh low tier fbs schools because i mean your expectations are always going to be like pretty much the same and if you make a bowl game it's gravy but it doesn't seem you'll ever get too high and you never get too low <laughs> whereas man maybe it's just me i doubt it's just me but i get I'm an emotional roller coaster in the season for <laughs> football. It makes it fun. Like it makes every game count, and that's how it is in the in the Power Five conference. So that's the same kind of situation, even probably more so because there's like no room for error. There's only four teams in the playoff, but this is the next best thing, if not the best things, in terms of like, all right, there's enough teams in here. It's anybody's game now because there's upsets. There's not like one team who is the number seven ranked team in the country who has a legit contention to play for the national championship. We'll never have that chance, but no. your number seven team in the country in FCS. Absolutely. You're going to get a seed, going to get home games for a little, for at least for two rounds, probably get yourself in serious consideration for that national championship. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this kind of is a good thing to talk about as recruiting. I mean, just, it's hard to get kids to come to Bozeman, isn't it? I think it's becoming easier. Uh, Bozeman's getting a ton of attention nationally just through its efforts with, uh, you know, just um, marketing. So I feel like Bozeman's a known quantity now, much different than when we went to school back in the early 2000s. It's crazy just to think how much Bozeman changed in my short time there. The 19th was like a single lane, and it was only a dirt road a few years before that from what I understand. So. It's yeah. crazy, but uh, yeah, it's like Choate says. Like once you get the guys there, like you can sell them, but it's not a cheap thing to get a kid to come up from Texas to fly to Bozeman on his own dime for an unofficial visit or whatever. No, it's not. So that's a hard thing to battle. Like it was interesting to hear him talk about North Dakota State. I never really thought about it. I was like, who the you know Fargo? But Fargo is not that far from Minneapolis, so you can get those kids to just drive over for a couple hours. And there's a ton of football in that region. Whereas yeah. around us, like. Montana is the best high school football state 
pretty much in the radius. Like there's better high school football players in Montana than there is North Dakota, South Dakota, and Idaho and Wyoming. Washington knows the only that's where you get better, and that's where we should be hitting hard. But because even with Eastern there, there's still just there's only like four or three schools there of of any note for a huge population base. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that CUS getting back to that pipeline. I mean Isaiah Fonze, yellow kids a stud. So it's but yeah, I mean like. Idaho, like they don't produce, like they're going to produce some guys now and again, but you know, they got a couple big schools there too. They got three schools. When you get down in that Snake River Plain and you, you, you have the most of the population, especially in Southwest Idaho. So there's quite a few kids down there, Thorny. Yeah. You know, I, I just know like Boise State and Idaho never made much or at least Boise State in particular didn't make much of Idaho. You know, Idaho, they had players from all over the country because they couldn't find enough local talent. They had the ridiculous footprint of players. And that I remember lots of uh, – maybe it's Coulter, Jay, talking about how that's going to have to change with their recruiting budgets going to be limited now. They're not going to be able to go and recruit players in Florida like they had. They had like multiple players in Florida. Yeah. Because that's, that's like an FBS team because you can – afford to do that but now you can't so you're gonna have to stick to more regional stuff so i guess i mean that's gonna avoid what what talent there is in idaho is gonna that the competition for it's gonna increase because idaho is gonna dip more in their backyard more likely so it's, it's hard to find talent in a drivable area you pretty much have to fly everybody in and it's not cheap to fly to bozeman no you know i think one thing that's really going to help recruiting in that, in that matter is, is when we start getting the donations and funds to make this master plan come to fruition and we have some facilities that we can really tout and put our, put our hat on, so to say, specifically the football part. And then having maybe like an indoor practice field. I know that's part of the master plan, um, but that, that needs to happen. And it really surprises me given how much, how many do- donations I see come through Montana State for so many projects and the lack thereof for the, the athletic facilities. It, it just really boggles my mind. So I know I just saw that like uh, Eastern Tennessee State or whatever the hell. We played them like their first year of existence. Remember that? No. Nope. It was like four years ago, like their first year as a program. ETSU. Oh, yeah. Okay, they came, vaguely. Yeah, they came up and just, just they're a bunch of freshmen and we just beat the piss out of them, even with like a not very good football team. That might have been 2014, actually, like our, our 2015, our year, we were bad, but we beat them. But they, I just saw they got like a multi million dollar turf installed on their brand new practice, indoor practice facility. It's, just, it's frustrating to be a fan of a program that it's like one of the biggest in the country should be the biggest in the country. And you see like little schools in the middle of nowhere that just find a huge donor that just pay for these ridiculous things that we don't have. It's like, well, why can't we get into our practice facility? It's ridiculous. Well, in this, in a way too, I hate to admit it, but like the champions facility that they have over at uh, the University of Montana. That's a that's a big draw. It is. You know, we need something comparable or better. So just ask Choate. He's not sitting there asking for something every single press conference or anything. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I appreciate about that, man. Yeah, he's he's 
he's going for it, isn't he? He is. It's kind of fun to watch, really. I hope he doesn't get overly frustrated with it, but he's, yeah, he's definitely out there plugging for it every single time he talks to the media, pretty much. Yeah. So I want to circle back to recruiting in terms of uh, what we need to fill for next year, but let's actually talk a little bit about the season that happened. <laughs> what a weird season that was. I don't think I've yeah. ever seen a more unique football season by a college team, at least in the pink sky, if not the FCS ever. Just, just the Troy Anderson thing alone. And just the way it ended, the way we got in the playoffs, man, <laughs> what a ride. Thinking you're dead in the water. Yeah, you go into all the star- late October yeah, and we lose to Weber and you're going, there's no way. You know, I mean, it's good. we're just going to ride out this season. It's going to feel like every other Chokes um, season that we've put together. Uh, we look horrible on offense, uh, just completely anemic. And then we go to Idaho State. We lose again. But in Idaho State, we have a new offensive coordinator. Uh, we've put up considerably more yards. Uh, we double our yards, essentially, from those two games and then go on on a run. So it's it's pretty remarkable what happened in the month of November and what happened at the end of November for everything to fall in line. But we made the playoffs. Um, we had a great win against Incarnate Word and then lost to probably the best FCS team maybe ever. <laughs> and when I say that, it's not hyperbole. It's probably true. No, there's people saying um, that. I've heard multiple people. But you know what? Uh, one thing that stood out to me, uh, there were two games that stood out to me uh, that I put down in my notes. One was the Idaho game, or excuse me, not the Idaho game, the Idaho State game. That seemed like one of those games that, uh, the you know, what could have, should have kind of game. We should have won that game. Would have been a big boost for us. And that was one that we, like, get away. You know, that was that infamous Curtis Amos drop in the first quarter. Uh, one of the best balls that Troy Anderson threw. In his uh, entire life. Yeah, and, and that that was – exactly. Um, and then that game too, there were so many costly penalties that came at the most inopportune times. Penalties. That set us penalties, back. penalties all year long, Ryan. Yeah. Bad, uh, inopportune was... times. Like we weren't the most penalized team, but we're like the, the worst timing penalized team I've ever seen. Yes. Uh, you know, how many times did we go into the red zone or do some sort of boneheaded mistake that just – right when we were having the momentum where we could, uh, you know, make a play, score a touchdown. I mean, that Idaho State game was was the picture of that for me this year. The other game I really wanted to mention was the Wagner game. Statistically, we had the best game. We had 556 yards at Wagner, and that was the only game Tuckerovic really shined in. I mean, he just uh, – Rayshak put it, uh, a revelation. And I thought, you know, coming off that Wagner game, that's the third game in the in the season. I was like, we're set up. Yeah. Robic's the dude. And then I thought it was a critical error, a critical error. And let that be stated. And I hope everybody hears that. When we went with Troy Anderson after that game and, and sat um, a healthy Rovig on at Portland State, granted – you know, we saw something in Portland State where we could just run. I don't think that – I think that was a big mistake. 
and our coaching staff to not start real big that next game and continue on without momentum. I thought that was a huge, huge error. Rovic is not, at least from the tape I've seen, everything. He's not flat footed. He's not slow himself. He's not going to do anything that Chris Murray or uh, Travis or Troy Anderson do. But you know, he can execute that stuff and still get seven, eight yards if, if their lane opens up. Like he could have been just as effective against Portland State. And at least moving, keeping the ball moving, keeping the chains moving. So, and you have Troy Anderson back there, running back in this scenario. So, absolutely. So, I still, I could have beat Portland State with Tucker Rovick. No, and no then doubt we go in. Mind. But the, yeah, and then we go into Eastern Washington with Rovick with two games underneath his belt, with some confidence. That's a huge difference. Yeah. That's, a, that's a huge difference into that Eastern Washington game, and um. Man, it's just you know the what ifs, and and then it goes and you know, gets played out, and then when they decided, oh maybe we should go with Rovick, he goes and breaks his foot in the drill and practice. You're like okay, well then that's your own. That's almost like karma, in the in a way. So, yeah, just a cruel twist of fate, anyway. But in that regard, it was a good thing that Troy had played all. If it was going to end up with Tucker being hurt anyway, you know who knows if he gets hurt. We're talking all sorts of butterfly effect stuff now, but it's just. I guess the way it played out, you, it's a good thing Troy had all those reps for those extra game. But yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, I remember we talked about that when, on the episode. I was like, wow, we should have started him. Like it was, it was exciting to see what Troy did. And I know we were giddy about watching him just run all over the place. I mean, as 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 frustrating as the season was this times, I absolutely never got tired of seeing Troy Anderson burst through the line six yards in the end zone. No, that was exciting every time, and every time I was just like, "Yes, here we go again!" Just like, hell's yeah. <laughs> but at one point, it just kind of reminds you that this is all our offense really is. It was for a while; that was absolutely true, and it's—I mean, to a smaller degree, it still was at the end. But yeah, we were completely reliant on that play. It was like Troy touchdown or three and out. And- well, there's the Weber game. You know, in a snapshot for you right there. Yeah. So, yep. So, you know what's interesting? I was plugging some numbers, and after Weber, we um, went to Matt Miller, right? And this could be a segue into um, our defensive and offensive coordinators. So, we averaged 303 yards. If you took the uh, Wagner game out, which I did because it was a statistical anomaly. <laughs> we averaged 303 yards uh, but with then, Brian Armstrong. Then so kind of would South Dakota State, though, be a statistical anomaly? Uh, not – I mean, if you go back – I'm not going to bore people with numbers, but it's not that far off of what we did at Western Illinois to start it off. Fair enough. And anyways, we averaged 410 yards from there on out. And so we're averaging with Matt Miller over a hundred yards more per game. And I just think Matt, Matt Miller was just the guy we needed at the time. Talk about a weird move too. Like <laughs> middle of the season, just going when choke came to that uh, press conference and just laid it out. He was like, you know what? We're going for it. Uh, I, and there was a huge amount of respect for him in that moment. And it proved to be, a pretty wise choice for us. With without that move, we're not. We probably don't beat Montana. We don't 
we don't go into the playoffs, you know, it's it's a different season for us. That pretty much salvaged the season, that mm-hmm. that decision right there. That's a good point. Quick question uh, before we go too much further. Did you happen to look at the, I, I kind of doubt, the first down average yeah, from, I did, from Armstrong? Because I'm pretty curious because I felt like we got a lot better at actually getting more than 12 first downs a game. First six games, uh, ending in Weber, we averaged fifteen point four first downs a game. Yep. But we really, we really dipped towards the end. So like Weber, we had seven. Uh, Idaho, Idaho, we had twelve. Um, prior to that, we had our lowest count was uh, South Dakota State uh, with six. But then we had twenty four, twenty five, with Wagner and Portland State. We had we started off with twelve. We ended the year uh, after we changed to Matt Miller, averaging nineteen point five, so around twenty, and with a low of twelve against uh, North Dakota State. So, I mean, to be expected, right there. Yeah, but the fact that we got twelve against the best defense in the country, where we only got like seven against Weber State, who is not that far off of North Dakota State in some ways. The next closest defense, one of the best anyway. So just the, that fact alone is enough to a testament of how much better we were on offense. Yeah. Because, I mean, we we had more yards, way more yards, first downs, points than Colgate did. Granted, we gave up a lot more points, but <laughs> that's that's your measuring stick nowadays. It's like, we didn't suck as bad against North Dakota State as those other guys did. <laughs> that's pretty much what people who play North Dakota State talk about. Yeah. Big, bicker over, well, we got a touchdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but you you gave up fifty two points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it seemed like a significant upgrade. It just seemed like things were regressing. Like we were just getting more and more into this little tight box where we only did the same handful of things over and over and over. And the things that we were trying to break the mold were not working at all. But we kept trying them anyway. I think Matt Miller's uh, offensive capabilities have been even more masked by the ineptitude of Troy Anderson. Uh, you know, imagine all that came coming with our linebacker playing quarterback. So if Troy is a quarterback, a serviceable quarterback, then uh, it might look really different. So, yeah. Yeah. I might be being a little too harsh on Troy. He was a serviceable quarterback. He got way better throughout the year. But still, I mean, we're making a lot of concessions if, we're, if in terms of a, uh, a traditional quarterback, I should say. <laughs> we're making a lot of concessions with our platitudes for him. Yeah. I mean, it, you can't ignore it, though. You can't ignore just the complete inability to run an offense as a passing quarterback. No. And go through his progressions to make accurate throws, to just even have a good vision to see an open receiver. I mean, it was just he's not there. And he might have a high ceiling, but he's got a late start on it. He's got higher ceilings in other areas. There's guys that have that are already at his highest ceiling capability right now just because that's what they are. That's just what they've been practicing for their whole life. Yeah. And they've been honing it, and they're naturally athletic in that area. So it's 
we can't – if Troy's quarterback next year, and I don't know if we want to get in this right now, we got problems. No, it's not going to happen. But, uh, yeah, we're, so anyway, we, we can talk a little bit more, more if we want about that. But Matt Miller, what do you think? Does he keep his job or do we go out and get a new guy? No, he keeps his job in my book. I agree. I absolutely agree at, for multiple reasons. Number one, if anything, you can't, like, bump him up and then bump him back down. Like, once he's had a taste of it and once he's got it, yeah, he'll stick around. But, you know, he'll be looking for an offensive coordinator gig. He's got a, that on his resume that he took over in the middle of the season and led the team to the playoffs. He'll be looking. He might have to spend two years to get one because he's got like no coaching experience really at all. But well, Chilton's never let in with any kind of comment that's saying you know this is conditional for this year. It's true. He was not any sort of interim tag. I'm I'm really interested to see what he does when he has a quarterback. You know, who can pass, who can operate the system that he's going to present. To me, that's going to be the telltale. When you have Troy Anderson at your as your quarterback, it's so unique what you're able to run, what you're able to do. Then it just that to me doesn't it just kind of handcuffs you in so many different ways that it doesn't allow you to actually display your strengths. Nope, and it kind of just downplays the strengths of some other players like receivers who could be out there running around and catching balls or basically just turned into blockers. Mm-hmm. So it, I'm, pre- <laughs> I'm pretty interested to see what the team looks like, what, what we can do with a quarterback, a more traditional throwing quarterback. Because you certainly want the dual threat guy, but if I had to choose, like I want a pass first guy who can extend his plays. Like, I mean, that's, McGee was fast, but he didn't look to run. He always extended plays really, really well and ran when he needed to. Exactly. He he was like the master of knowing when to run, when to bail on the play. Because although he did, I, I remember now, yeah, McGee actually would hold on to it too long sometimes. And like right before he went out the sideline, throw like a six-yard interception. Remember those? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's – a tangent but yeah we we need someone who can just throw the ball just throw it downfield take the top off the defense so our stud running back line and our veteran offensive line can just pave the way and chug out yards that way we don't need guys to be busting off 30 yard runs we just need six yards every time we give the ball to running back we need a guy who can pass like for 15 yards on a consistent basis too and an accurate 15 yards you know, and and who can hit the outs in the curls, in the slants, and in all throws. That's what I really want. It's it's so interesting that we've had choke for three years, and we've been having this same conversation for three years because we we're handcuffed by Murray, we we're handcuffed by Troy. It's it's been this weird, weird. <laughs> paradox i mean i remembered uh i can't remember what episode it was you laid out the history of our quarterbacks in such great detail and, and then just like oh my gosh that that really just happened <laughs> it's it's almost comical it is it's like just bizarro world like how did this happen like <laughs> there's it's ridiculous it's easy to sit there and say like it's all choate's fault but it's also you can go 
hash it out like I did and realize you could almost say nothing his fault, but I absolutely think some things were his fault that he should have made some moves to bolster the the reserves a few times when he didn't and trusted with what he had that just all fell apart on him. But I think he's got to see now that this is priority number one, two, and three right now. Yeah. Get a guy, get a quarterback, get a quarterback, get a quarterback. We're not going to have any better season than we did if we don't. Like that, right. this is our cap with the Troy Anderson offense, with yeah. with the Chris Murray offense, with the running back playing quarterback offense. Can we can we close that book on that type of offense? That's what I'm hoping for. That's that's a hope of mine for next season. Is that that chapter? Not even that chapter. That book has been written. It, it's put on the shelf now. I would love for that to happen. <laughs> I'm t- I thought it was going to happen after Wagner. I was giddy. I was giddy. Go listen to that podcast. I was, oh man, I was on cloud nine. Nope. When I saw when I saw Troy Anderson come out at Portland State, I was I was pissed. I was I was pissed. I, I was cussing at my TV screen. I was like, no. And then and then we use remember we use a Rovig in for spot duty. I knew it, it wasn't doing anybody any favors at that point. So I don't know. All right, let's move on. Um, let's talk a little bit about Gregorak and his performance this year. Uh, what do you think? I don't know. I have kind of mixed feelings about how we performed this year. Uh, I like our schemes a little bit better than last year because we got some more guys who can play a little bit better man-to-man than we have had in the past, probably one of the better secondaries we've had in a while. And that's really allowed our defensive line, who has upgraded talent as well, to make some plays. But – there was just some times where we were running. I'm, I'm just tired of the big bend, but don't break, give up yards between the 20s defense, and it feels like we was revert. We would revert back to that too often. Yeah. To me, it, I didn't feel like we blitzed as much as I was hoping for. And so, you know what? I watch a lot of Coug football, uh, Washington State Cougar football, um, by proximity, and my wife is a Coug, and, you know, this has been discussed. I'm, I'm a fan. They kind of have a difference, like a little bit like ours, maybe somewhat undersized in some areas, but they emphasize speed. I don't know if we have the speed to do it, but we don't. man, they blitz a lot and they cause a lot of havoc for a lot of people back there. I don't feel like we blitzed a lot. No, you know, we were, we're really hoping for to get home with Stirk, which I thought Stirk had a hell of a player. Was he, did he leave? He didn't, he didn't um, meet my expectations that I uh, was building in my head for him. And that's not his fault. <laughs> yeah, I was like, gonna say, I don't know if that's necessarily his fault. <laughs> yeah, w- whatever. I mean, that's, I, but it's not like he came out and said, I'm the true 37. <laughs> you know, you're like, all right, let's see this. And sometimes he did see it. You know, he's playing with a club on his hand for more than half the season. But uh, I don't know. Like, I was hoping we'd see more pressure than we did. We, we seemed to have the guys up front finally to get that pressure. Uh, but I was, you know, we would blitz Conkle like late in the season. I was like, man, that's pretty cool. Like, why why haven't we been seeing that? I was thinking about uh, Greg Rack's uh, defenses from years back when he was the uh, Grizzly coordinator. Uh, they would blitz corners a lot. And maybe it's just a personnel thing. You know, I'm guessing that's what his decision is based on. Do we have the guys in the back who can cover? And then, and then we got kind of thin back in the back end for a while. So 
Uh, maybe we weren't, you know, maybe we didn't have the guys that could cover in the back. So I don't know. I was hoping for a little bit more pressure up front, um, but we, I thought we had a better defensive year than last year. No, I agree. We definitely had a better year. And I think that was because he actually didn't, didn't have to bring any extra pressure and the guys got home a little bit better. We actually had much better pressure on the quarterback just from our front forward than we've had since Cho was here, since 2014 yeah. probably. So it was good to see that. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, overall, like the defense was pretty good. I just – Gregorak, I, I would just like to see a little bit more aggressiveness out of the defense, even if it means giving them a few more plays here and there. I think we have enough confidence and swagger. But I also too, like to give a big play and rebound from it. But – uh, something we need to mention here is you know, you can only work with the the linebacking core that we had, which they were they were just not very good. Yeah, and I hate to say that, but they were just the weakest link on the defense. I thought they played well at times, and they were injury plagued. So, but they they just could not contain the edge. They can't shed blockers, and they just got picked on all year. Yeah, that's one of our biggest needs for next year. Yes. Yep, improve linebacker play. I think we have some horses to do it. It was really good to see Josh Hill back on the field. He looks pretty damn good in spot duty, like in the little limited action he got in North Dakota State. Yeah, good to see him get that pick. Yep, reminiscent of, what, was it Cat Grays last year? Or two, yep. or two years ago? Yeah, there you go. So I think we'll... He's just a solid guy. He just knows where to be, and he's that kind of guy that gets everybody lined up. Yeah, you need that guy. Yeah. Absolutely. You need a couple of them. You need one in the very back end and you want need you need a guy in the middle too. All right, well, anything else you want to talk about with Greg Garak? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you just like left. I was like, uh oh. <laughs> That's a little long. That moment of silence there. <laughs> like, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. So nope. Just uh, waiting for I'm you. Glad that, I'm just glad Ty's on our team, man. I've always respected him. Uh, always was wanting him on our team when he was across the hill. And uh, I just think, uh, you know, in his, his years over here, he just seems to get more comfortable, more comfortable being a Bobcat. And that guy's just a cool guy, in my opinion. Yep. I mean, he's a good coach. And kids, kids like playing for him, apparently. So I'm good with that. So I have something that's kind of – Stuck in my craw, as they say, with something that Choate has said a few times this year. And I'm going to go somewhere with this, so bear with me here. He has said on multiple times, like, oh, they're really good, you know, at this level. Have you heard him say at this level? I feel like he says it a fair amount. He always, like, praises somebody, even on his own team, but there's the qualifier that it's at this level. Yes, we've talked about this before. Have we? Yes, because I don't know. I just I kind of wonder, does he fully grasp or appreciate the level of football played at this division? And sub question: Did North Dakota State being in the playoffs, seeing the teams in the playoffs, kind of open his eyes a little bit? Um, first, I think he has a, a solid foundation to make that statement, given his uh, previous work history. So <laughs> if you question that, then um, I think he's well in – how do I want to say it? I think he knows what he's talking about <laughs> in short. And I know, I, I know it rubs you the wrong way. And I think, I think you're just being nitpicky on this. And 
I don't think I don't think you should look too much into it, honestly. And and this is my opinion. Um, and I don't think he's trying to be demeaning in any kind of way. Uh, but I think he has a really good pulse of what FCS football is. And Ryan, I don't think you can. I mean, NDSU is such an outlier um, as far as talent goes that. It was so weird because we could make excuses about NDSU being an outlier, and I, I'm doing it right now, but they're the person we have to beat in order to be the national champion. <laughs> so it's for your second question. I don't know. I think he knew about NDSU. I don't think his eyes were open to it. I think he knew all along <laughs> what exactly NDSU was. I mean, his post-game press conference, that's like, what are you going to do? First, he's like, I got to go recruit. And he like, apparently he literally did. <laughs> yeah, didn't even, we didn't even get a didn't end get of it. the season pressure from him. I, I can just imagine him like flying back to Bozeman, like going home, grabbing a duffel bag, and then flying to wherever, just <laughs> kissing his wife and heading out on the road. It was, I mean, that statement combined with the other statement just means like, is he like, oh, so this is the players I need to have. These are the kinds of athletes I can have or I should have. I don't know. I'm not saying he's disrespectful. I'm not saying it at all. And certainly he knows this stuff. I don't, anybody at this level understands that this level isn't FBS football, but I don't know. It's just like, did he fully understand what teams in this division are capable of being? I think he does. Because we could be there, and maybe he, maybe that changed his tune a little bit. Maybe it changes his strategy, uh, the way things are done. Because they got the tour of the facility and everything beforehand, right? Like they brought over like Wadid and Costello, I think, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's just a, a good look at the elite program and what we need to do to be there. It's good to go. You know, it's good to see what the watermark is because. You know, it just sets your sights high. I mean, if the biggest difference I saw was just the amount of talent they had in the trenches versus us. Uh, I mean, we have some guys, but they have they have some dudes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they have a really mature team. You know, we have a re- really young team, and we're going to – our players will eventually, uh, you know, mature, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll get bigger, we'll get stronger, we'll have more uh, depth. Uh, it just takes some time. So. Well, I can tell you after watching football at uh, North Dakota State and watching plenty of other playoff football, you know, it's definitely put things in perspective like, okay, there's the Big Sky Conference, and here's some of the best teams in the country. You just look at those teams. You look at Maine. Those guys just look like dudes. Like, like They pass the eye test. Every team left in the playoff like just you know, passes the eye test. Cause I even thought like when each came in, they just looked like a – much bigger and more physical team than they have in the past. And that could be Aaron best stamp there, but it's like, Holy cow. You know, we're further away from that than I thought we were, but we're definitely in the conversation now to be getting there. Like just, if you win the big side conference, you're automatically a part of that conversation, a part of that group of people. And so first step first, we win the conference, but you can just kind of see the athletes and the, the teams and the speed that some of those other teams possess, and you're just like, we, we aren't there yet. No, I, we still have that senior-laden squad yet, though, that has developed and matured into the bodies and, and into the team. We just never seem to have, when you watch those teams, we have really standout players, but they just don't 
look like that for lack of a better way of saying it is I don't know if it's our weight program or we just don't have guys with the frames. Some of those elite programs have, but I don't know. Does that make any sense to you? Well, it absolutely does. I watched that Weaver state main game and man, that was just a violent game to watch. Those were just like big guys going at each other. Golly. I'm just watching that and just like, and, and just marvel of the physicality that was on screen and then just and just shocked about how many people were not in the stands yeah. <laughs> in the Ogden. And I'm just like, man, you have – you guys are so lucky. If this was played at Montana State right now, there would be seventeen to 20,000 people in the stands cheering their asses off. <laughs> yeah. But I'm super impressed by Maine. I hope they kick the crap out of Eastern. Yeah, they're, I can't stand Eastern. Their D line was known. just dumb. Oh my gosh. That's like the that's like the most dominant D line performance. Like Constantine had no time. He just got the ball and there was like he was swallowed up like every single play. Oh man. He looked like trash that game. And it was all because of so so much pressure. And they would just you know what was interesting too is Maine just had like a really average quarterback. Like very unassuming. I like will not take him. Flashy. I'll, I'll take he was him. kind of pudgy. <laughs> yeah, uh, or maybe he did. He looked kind of pudgy and frumpy. And I was just like, huh? You know, you know. If I guess it's just you kind of have to have you have to have an elite offense or defense, I think, to get to that final four. But on in your counterpart, let's say if you have an elite defense, you need to have a capable offense. If you have a capable or better to, than capable offense, I think you can make some hay. And that's where Montana State's coming up short is we have – I don't feel like we have an elite defense. We're getting there. Um, definitely we're getting there. But our offense, we are light years away from having a capable offense, I think. yeah, We need a total offensive identity. Maybe not, not light years away. I'll retract that statement. But uh, – we need to have some sort of major offensive identity and we need a quarterback to, to solidify that if we want to go further in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. We just need to be more efficient and just, we did a great job of taking care of the ball. I mean, that's one of the most unspoken reasons why we were any good this year at all. Cause we just didn't cough the ball up. Yeah, that was huge. When, but you know that is almost negated sometimes by how how much we were penalized. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's the <laughs> other side of it is like if you have an offense like we have and have had, where you can't get behind the downs, you can't get behind the sticks, you can't commit penalties like that. You just can't. You can't get into person twenty. It's over. You're punting. Yeah, <laughs> it's just just silly, right? Yeah. All right, Thorny. So um, let's move on a little bit. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Like to kind of wrap this wrap this up in the, in the next couple things you want to say. Well, I mean, I was gonna maybe do a position by position. That's not a quick couple thing, but maybe we could talk about a little bit about. Uh, I guess gloss over them real quick. No, you know what, Thorny? Let's save that. I'll save that for like we'll put- signing day or something. Yeah, we'll we'll put something else out. And I was thinking maybe we could well let's talk later about that. But let's uh, um I was talking about um I was 
I really kind of wanted to talk about kind of what we need going forward. I mean, we've alluded to it tangentially here, but let's identify a couple of needs you and I think Montana State has to have in order to take those next steps. Well, quarterback. Yes, okay. So let's just gloss over that. (laughs) Uh, So I had a little list here that I didn't put a ton of thought into as I should have. But my thing I have number two on here is just linebacker play. Mm-hmm. Just, I agree. just better uh, play from linebackers. Just containing the edge, uh, needs some more speed. We don't need that size necessarily. That would be great. But first and foremost, we need speed. And they just need to tackle. They need to shed blockers and make tackle, make plays. Yeah, We don't have any guys who blow up the play behind the line of scrimmage like a Mac Picknell did or like a Jody Owens or Alex Singleton. Like those just line and line of guys that would just – you would just fly in the backfield and just wrap a guy down and just fling him to the ground. We don't yeah. – none of those guys do that. So we need someone who can do that. Uh, the next thing I have is replacing uh, the three studs on the defensive line that were losing to graduation. That's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. We have some guys I think are certainly capable of doing that, but that would be the third thing. And then I actually had penalties would be a good one. I, I have that in my head now, but the other one I had was I think actually our offensive line needs to play a little better. They're a young group. I think they will. Um, at, to me, a lot of those guys got shuffled this year, and there was some – I think some of those guys were playing out of position. And, yes, I agree. And that's that's really hard to do on the offensive line from what I understand. And so – but with the year underneath their belt, I think they're only going to get better. But, you know, losing Alex Neal at center is going to be huge. Um, are we going to move uh, Connor Wood over there? Is he going to be our next I think uh, I think Zach Red will be the next center. Zach Red. Okay. Um and he played that in Meridian, I believe. Yeah, is that where he went to school? Uh, I th- I think so. Yeah, that was that was his position. I think that's what he was recruited for. Um, he has kind of like Mac Bignell, kind of a hearing impediment, as I understand. Hmm. Okay. So that, it makes it interesting as a center to if you can't hear the cadence real well. Yeah, but, that will have to get dialed in. But there, there's um, there's ways around that. But uh, yeah, I mean that's just in general. I thought they're. Uh, Run blocking could have been better, but it's hard to run block against a stacked box. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, they didn't have any blown assignments. I thought they were, like, technically sound. They just need to get, like, stronger. They just need to move people. They just need yeah. to, just to move men. That's what they need to do. Well, I think you'll see more of that when we can have a traditional offense, or not maybe a traditional offense, but someone where you're just not stacking eight, seven guys in the box, six people in the box, and trying to plow down Troy Anderson in the backfield. So, I mean, they were definitely like a top four or five unit in the Big Sky Conference, but you could tell when they got to a team that had elite front seven, they were just outmatched. Yeah. So. Uh, I think that talent is there. They just need to keep working at it, get the weight room, and just keep plugging away. Yeah. One thing that I was wrote down that I think we need to work on next year is our kickoff scheme <laughs> our coverage. Yeah, that was, was, that was bad. Gosh, well, we continue to, uh, for some reason, kick it short to that 15, 10-yard line and then 
they would always come out to the 35. <laughs> I, was, I was blown away by how much yards we gave away in the kickoff. I don't understand and, that strategy where we're hoping to get them to fair catch everything. Oh, my gosh. And whether B.J. Armstrong is taking that all on himself or Choate, who's supposed to be some uh, you know special team support, yeah. <laughs> I'm not seeing it, man. You know, and – Tristan Bailey, you know, he kind of was very shaky at the very end of the year. So he had some kicking woes at the end of the year. He started off very strong, won the Western Illinois game for us. But, man, it's we've been largely inconsistent in our special team play. Except for Padmos. Gosh, man, he has been – he won some games for he us did. for sure. Like when you have a team that's just struggling to move the ball, pinning their team inside their own 10-yard line is a good way to stem the tide. We talk, we've point. talked about that. So it's, it's definitely, good point. He just kept the wolves at bay like all year long until we could wear teams down and do our thing in the fourth quarter. Man, what a weird year. What a weird year. It's a one for the, the history, that's for sure. We might be, <laughs> might be the first team in history to take a unanimous first team all conference quarterback and just say, now nah, you're a linebacker now. <laughs> and nothing would make me more happy and nobody would be upset about it yeah that's that's the funny <laughs> thing is like well good job that's it's really awesome that you're good enough to get that reward uh award now go play linebacker would you <laughs> thank you and thank you for your service now go wreck dudes at linebacker that would solve a lot of our linebacker woes that would solve like <laughs> It's easy to say that because you don't actually know if he's a good linebacker. He has every single physical tool you would ever want. But is his instinct there? Is his ability to read an offense? I mean, that's all stuff that takes coaching, and he hasn't had ability to be coached because he keeps doing our stuff. But uh, I don't think it would take him long to get it. No, I don't. Think I think it would take be. a spring camp and a fall camp, and he's pretty much all conference material day one next year. <laughs> he's a one rep kind of guy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. But yeah, that's <laughs> talk about speed and size and everything you want. Like the fastest linebacker in the league in the country. Maybe. <laughs> I'd love to see him on a blitz, just wrecking shop and <laughs> getting a fumble and just out sprinting everybody. That's the kind of Troy Anderson touchdown I don't want to see. And then just do his aw shucks celebration. I loved when he gave <laughs> the quiet sign to the Washington. That's Grizzly. like the most trash talk he's done in his entire life. <laughs> I was like, holy cow, look at Troy go. I know. I was like, he's feeling it. Troy Anderson throwing <laughs> some shade. Don't see that ever. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he just gets the ball back to the. The, the, to the ref and just like shrugs your shoulder like oh gosh I scored a touchdown <laughs> so, look what happened <laughs> oh I did it again <laughs> did it again shucks <laughs> <laughs> well well yeah <laughs> I did have a couple of fun things I wanted to go over with this all right is, let's let's wrap that up with those I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this what was your favorite moment of the season Um, two stand out. One really obvious. Uh, beating the Grizzlies. Um, that just stood out to me. No, three of them stand out. Okay, one. Let's just get past beating the Grizzlies because I went absolutely insane as 
crazy, 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 right? Um, the two others you probably won't uh, remember. One was, I'm going to go back to the Wagner game, uh, right before half. I believe it was right before half. Rovig drops a dime to Kevin Cassis in the back of the end zone, right in front of the goal post. I hadn't seen a pass like that in three years at Montana State. That just got me jacked. The second one was, or excuse me, the third one would be Incarnate Word going into the fourth quarter, having the game in hand. We haven't won many games in hand. And not to say, and and not the least of which be a playoff game. And so that feeling of just being like, whoa. <laughs> that moment, I remember texting you and uh, Jessica Cat going, hey, <laughs> we're winning this and we're winning this handily. There's no there's no what ifs going on right now. We're, we're going to win this. And so I felt- that was just a, that was a good feeling to dominate in the playoffs. So those were the two moments I was that keep coming to my mind as I reflect on this season. No, it felt good to be validated that we deserve to be in the playoffs. It's like we squeaked in, we had some things go our way to get in, uh, are we a playoff team? And you just stomp out the first round opponent. You're like, all right, yeah, we belonged here, you know, a different, different draw. Maybe we do a little bit more damage, but, it is what it is, but we definitely deserve to be in the playoffs. Yes, but it felt good to thrash somebody, or not thrash, but we, you know we beat him handily. We we that game was never really in question. What about you? Flip that question on you. Well, I for sure thought you were going to say the Tucker Yates, the stuff, the miracle of Missoula, whatever you want to call it, because that's my favorite moment. There's no question, no second even close to that. How exciting was that? I I guess you don't have to say Tucker Yates, just the whole play, just being stuffed at the goal line, ball flying out, and who who got it? Was it was it? You know, it's a menagerie of Derek Marks, uh, Grant Collins, and Tucker Yates. Uh, I think they all have equal. I, I think Tucker's getting too much, uh, <laughs> too much. Yeah, he initiated it though. He threw his guy down like a <laughs> rag doll. Oh yeah, I've never. I've, I said Too much this, credit. That's the word I was looking for. Sorry. It was just. It was so funny to see him just like toss his guy down like he wasn't even there, and just like because <laughs> he stuck. He stuck Eastwood, and that's what started. Uh, I mean, Collins hit him at the same time, and then like Marks dove on it. But it was. Yep. It was all started. Uh, the catalyst there, Mister Tucker Yates. Cool strip. All uh, right. Any others? The other thing I thought was kind of cool. I, I kind of liked uh, Curtis Amos proposing to his girlfriend before the game started, <laughs> or was it at halftime? I can't remember. It's weird. I thought it was after the game. So. I thought it was before <laughs> the game. I'm pretty sure it's before the well, game. There but you go. It's always All fun right. to see that kind of stuff. I mean, there's not, not no other big play sticks out. Uh, I mean, I just loved watching every single Troy Anderson touchdown ride, but. I think maybe that maybe the other one that was really fun was the one I think it was Idaho where he just crashed into the middle and you can't even like see him anymore and he just like bursts out of there and then it's like jumps over a guy at like the three yard line and just spins into the end, like, pirouettes in the end zone. That's probably my favorite <laughs> trainer's <and> run. <laughs> he has some memorable ones for sure. All right. Whose three letter hashtag slogan for the year? RTD PTW. Whose is better? Oh, PTW for sure. Yeah, no question. 
after I learned what it meant. Yeah. Yeah. Pass the wine. What are we, what was everyone saying that here? It took me a little bit, but return to dominance. I think that was Bobby Houck's attempt to get on social media. <laughs> What's this Twitter thing here? I didn't have this last time. <laughs> oh man. The waves that was sent when Chilt was hired and he came out with the ha- hashtag, uh, Beat the sky on the state. I love that. Oh my gosh. You know, you could just tell <laughs> at that moment, right? This guy uh, gets yeah. it. This guy yeah. gets it. This guy gets it. We're, we're going to win. And that's not been just words. I mean, now that, like we talked about, that's the standard now. Like, yeah. You beat the Grizz, you make the playoffs. Like, that's what we, the expectations were laid out this year that were just laid out, freshly laid out. And that's the expectations. Mm-hmm. And to think last would be uncivilized. Take you back to the '90s with that Charles Barkley commercial. But there you uh, go. that's all I had for the fun segment. You got anything? No, I did that by ourselves over the last one we did. I hadn't thought of any fun, fun segments uh, <laughs> for this one. So. Well, sounds good. Yeah, I think we'll reconvene maybe after signing day if there's enough to talk about. I'm certainly not an expert at, like, watching huddle tapes and, like, oh, that guy's going to be good. But uh, if, if we can figure out enough to talk about, we can start to talk about it. But there's always that player-by-player position breakdown that we can do at some point and just kind of talk about the personnel heading into next year in the spring ball. So we can do – we'll do another episode at some point here next month or two. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Maybe, maybe even sooner. That's what I wanted to talk to you about. So – uh, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. All right, buddy. All right, listen to the last one of the of this season. So I just wanted to you know, thank everyone for listening to us all season. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been a learning experience for us. I hope everyone has enjoyed the content, the podcast, and put up with us. And uh, just wanted to say appreciate it. Yeah, well, thanks on my end too. It's been it's been a lot of fun and a big surprise in my life. And yeah, it was it was a blast doing it. All right, well, go cats. Go Cats.